You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will be inspired to use their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thanks so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch. It's so great to be back, and tonight you're in for a real treat. Um, I'm going to have two amazing women joining the show this evening. And in the first hour, you'll hear from Emma Isaacs. Emma is the founder and global CEO of Business Chicks, which is a global women's business networking organization. She is also an author and the mother of six, uh, originally from Australia and joining us from LA. And in our second hour, Summer Watson will be joining me. Summer is an award-winning British classical crossover artist from England who also happens to be now residing in LA. So she'll be joining us in the second half of the show. Uh, I can't wait to bring you both of their stories. They're truly inspirational women. As always, be sure to visit us at womentowatch.net for all things related to the show. And be sure to sign up for the newsletter and podcast so you never miss an episode. Um, If you'd like to learn more about becoming a part of our on-air watch team, 
to bring your own industry expertise and news to our listeners, feel free to connect with our own Laura Scotty. And you can email Laura at laura at womentowatch.net, L-A-U-R-A at women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now I'm excited and and thrilled to welcome to the show Emma Isaacs, again, the founder and global CEO of Business Chicks. Emma, welcome to the show. Hi, Sue. It's great to be with you all. Thank you so much for the invite to come on and, and have a chat. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. We we spoke quite a number of months ago and had hoped to be doing this in person. But um, as we all know, we've adjusted to a new life and um, <laughs> we will make that work. Um, <laughs> One day. I have faith. One day it will happen. <laughs> I know it will. Absolutely. So just so our listeners know a little bit about your background, you, you were born um, in Australia and they'll know that from your beautiful accent. <laughs> um, the oldest of three, uh, dad was an accountant and your mom was a teacher. And from what I've read and what I've learned about you, you were really born a leader. Um, Hmm. There's so many stories I love about your growing up years. Some I learned from reading your book and um, others from talking to you. And um, you were a business owner by the age of 18, a property investor by 19, and a self-made millionaire by 23. So my first question for you is how would how do you respond to people who say that women don't have the same opportunities as men? <laughs> it's a it's a great question. It's a really really great great question and I think in a lot of ways, you know, that the playing field is still not equal, right? We still have to seek out networks. We have to seek out opportunities much more so than men that seem to, you know, be handed them. But it's, I, I certainly haven't let my gender hold me back in any way. I mean, as you said, I was the eldest, I am the eldest of three children. And I think the greatest gift my parents gave me was the, uh, the, the gift of independence and the gift of, exp- ex- I suppose, exploration or discovery. They just let me go and um, do the things I wanted to do. They never really held me back. Um, whilst they were quite strict in a lot of ways, they really just you know entertained my ideas and, and, and let me be. And I think that's what led me down the path of entrepreneurship and led me down the path of trying to do things for the first time and, you know, really making it up as I went along. And, and as you know, Sue, I, I went to college for all of six months months and um, then I dropped out much to my parents dismay and horror at the time and for me really it was about I, I wasn't learning what I needed to learn and I felt like I wanted to roll up my sleeves and get into it and get on my way so I dropped out of university and I met someone out just socially and we got talking and um, she had a little recruitment company and I ended up going in there and, and joining that business and you know that was the start of my entrepreneurial career and you're right I was 18 at the time so very very grateful for my early start. And, you know, one of the things that's really um, prevalent throughout your career and, and, you know, a trait, I'll say, is is that you really promote kind of um, not needing to to pl- have a five year plan, strategize, um, really just as your book is entitled Winging It. And I so agree with that kind of mentality. How has that served you um, with business chicks? Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. I 
I've been in business and been my own boss for over 20 years now. And, you know, back then when I started 20 years ago, you could sort of plan for perhaps three to five years out. But the speed in which the, you know, life works and technology works these days, I've always, you know, over the years really had to lessen the amount of time we plan for. So instead of planning in five or 10 year blocks, you know, for us now, it's like, what, what are the priorities for the next three months? What are the priorities for the next six months, let's say? So for me, it's all about how do we develop the confidence? How do we back our ourselves into situations that are uncertain? How do we find the courage to, you know, move ahead without having a perfect plan or a roadmap? So that's that, that's a theme, I suppose, or the topic that I'm most interested in. Mm, that's great. Listen, we have to go into our first break. Um, stay with us. I'm speaking to Emma Isaacs this evening, the founder and global CEO of Business Chicks, a, a business networking group for women from all around the world. Stay with us for our watch team. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch, Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. We talk about wellness like it's a new idea. Actually, the concept was first pioneered in 1874 by Dr. Andrew Still. He recognized the importance of treating illness within the context of the whole body. It was just after the Civil War, and Dr. Still lost three children to meningitis. He found that medical practices of the day were ineffective. He believed that the musculoskeletal system played a vital role in health and disease and that the body contains all the elements it needs to maintain health and even heal itself if properly stimulated, which gave rise to the philosophy of osteopathic medicine. By correcting problems in the body's structure through the use of manual techniques now known as osteopathic manipulative medicine or OMM, the body's ability to function and heal itself could be greatly improved. These techniques allow osteopathic physicians to perform hands-on diagnoses and treatment. Osteopathic physicians look at the whole person, body, mind, and spirit, not just the parts of the body that become injured or diseased, and they look at the impact that lifestyle and community have on the health of each individual. Reflecting on the philosophy of treating the whole person, many DOs serve in primary care fields, family medicine, general internal medicine, and pediatrics. The osteopathic medical tradition is that a strong foundation in primary care makes one a better physician no matter what specialty they choose. Like their MD colleagues, osteopathic physicians have four years of medical school, then residency, and now practice in all specialties, and the bonus of 500 hours of OMM, techniques used to diagnose and or relieve pain, restore range of motion, and enhance the body's capacity to heal. This morning, I spoke to Dr. Peter Biddy. Assistant Professor and Vice Chair of Department of Family Medicine at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. To hear about these fascinating techniques, listen to the podcast. And Nick Frontino will explain the Well City Challenge. The Economy League of Greater Philadelphia joined Independence Blue Cross and invited teams of innovators to compete in a Shark Tank setting to present ideas that address the physical and mental health issues in millennials. The podcast on yourradiodoctor.net. Stay well. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Welcome back. I'm speaking to Emma Isaacs this evening. And, um, you know, Emma, one of the things when I was learning about what exactly, you know, you do day to day with your organization, typically you guys were producing 100 events in a year. Right. And first of all, securing some really famous people. Um, Sir Richard Branson, Sarah Jessica Parker, Diane von Furstenberg, um, Arianna Huffington. Two questions. First of all, how do you get such notable people to sign on? Because these are incredibly busy folks themselves. 
Yeah, I mean, so we started Business Chicks 15 years ago and, you know, the first event that we ran had 200 people in the audience and now our events have, you know, up to 5,000, which is extraordinary. And as you said, pre-COVID, we were producing about 110 live events around the globe. Um, Really, I suppose the way we've been able to secure the amazing speakers we've had, and, and there have been hundreds, if not thousands, of incredible business leaders and visionaries and celebrities, is through our relationships. You know, it's been through uh, I suppose developing trust, building on our credibility, doing a really, really great job and ultimately giving them a great experience. And obviously it goes that if you you know do a great job by someone, they will come back and return and work with you again. And then they tell their friends as well, because a lot of these people are speaking together at conferences. And I've always believed that you should put a lot of effort into your relationships and that your reputation is everything. So that's really how we've, how we've built it. So, I mean, we did a really great job by one speaker and, and again, build our trust and credibility and did the same thing by another and um, yeah we've been very very blessed to work with some of the world's best talent and in, in a lot of ways I feel like we're just warming up you know we've, we've had um, some incredible people but I feel we've still we're still you know learning and um, there'll be many many more to come. Yeah tell, for the listeners who might not be familiar um, tell, tell them how your organization is different perhaps than other women's networking organizations. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I first bought the business, it was a pure play events company. So, um, you know, I really had to look at the business model and work out how we're going to commercialize or monetize community. And and back 15 years ago, there weren't really many women's organizations and perhaps the ones that were in existence I suppose we're trying to emulate the the men's communities, you know, if you like the boys club, so you'd have to wear the right suit and say the right things and, you know, act a certain way and appear a certain way. And for us, we really wanted to bring back that femininity and we wanted to bring back the creativity and the personality. So at our events, you know, we play loud music and we, I mean, we used to hug each other. um, You know, it was, it was a real, it was a real culture, if you like a real, a real vibe. And I think people sensed that level of, you know, realness of authenticity and the ability to walk into a room that business chicks had created the space and allowed women to be themselves and what that meant was a real openness from the women who attended you know they were they were willing to be vulnerable to be open to share their challenges to share their wins and that was just a space we tried to create from the very very outset and it served us really well over the last 15 years um you know we run a whole host of different events from you know luncheons and breakfast type events and networking events and we do these wonderful knowledge and study tours where we partner up with different business schools here in Los Angeles. We partner with UCLA and we go behind the scenes at Disneyland and, you know, have extraordinary experiences like that. Um, we run business conferences. So really for us, it's been about how do we meet the needs of our community? How do we continue to serve women with where they're at and create incredible experiences? So that's a little of the way we've differentiated ourselves, but always reinventing and, you know, trying to read the room and be ahead of the curve, if you like. So that's what's made us stand out. Mm. And you can see that in, in you know, reading the testimonials of, of many of your members. Um, listen, we're not going to talk about work-life balance because neither of us believe in that. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when, when people find out that you have six children under the age of 12, you know, they all say, oh, my God, how does she do that? And I, I guess my, I was curious to ask you, are you happiest when you have a lot going on? 
or you know, what is it that drives the busy? (laughs) (laughs) I I would not have it any other way. I would not know any other way (laughs) than to have a lot of my plate. Excuse me. I mean, I think, you know, my career journey has been a little bit different to a lot of people in that I started out at age 18. I had my first company when I was 18 and, you know, being responsible for your own, um, uh, you know, well-being, if you like, and and you know your your own journey and your own outcomes and your own output. It makes you hustle like nobody else on this planet. You know, I've never been someone to rely on a paycheck. I've never had a boss, so in a lot of ways, I was just making it up. And I suppose that experience of having a business um, and you know developing my own strategies from such an early age has really helped with um, you know my parenting. And I've had to relax into not being perfect. I've had to relax into not having um, you know a huge plan. And yeah, it's, it's everything you would imagine. It's chaotic, chaotic and crazy. Um, and there's never a dull moment, but I think that's the way I'm wired. I, I, I do love the activity. I love the, I love the pace. So yeah, you're right. You've, you've, you've got that one right. Yeah. Listen, we're going to go into our next break. And, um, when we come back, I want to talk about two things, courage, uh, because you've been described as really a fearless leader with never ending courage. And we have to share the, the story of what you did at eight years old, which I think says a lot. <laughs> about who you grew up to be. Let's do it. Stay with us for our watch team and we'll be back with Emma Isaacs. Now the women to watch, Legal Watch. This is Nicole Hitner at Ballard Spar Law Firm for Legal Watch. I'm excited today to announce that Ballard Spar received a 100% rating in the 2021 edition of the Human Rights Campaign Foundation's Corporate Equality Index, the nation's premier benchmarking survey and report measuring corporate policies and practices related to LGBTQ workplace equality. This is the fourth year in a row Ballard received a perfect rating, which recognizes the firm's benefits and protections for LGBTQ employees and their families. Because of this, Ballard earned the designation of best place to work for LGBTQ equality. The law is clear on its prohibition to discriminate based on sexual orientation, but what really matters is implementation of the law. Ballard's putting the values that created that law into action every day. In this season of change and equality, I challenge all women to watch listeners to take a look around and see what they can do to make a positive impact on diversity and equality in the places you live and work. Diversity will continue to be a hot topic in the legal field throughout 2021, as we've seen with the new NASDAQ diversity reporting requirements. Successful companies will be the ones that demonstrate to the public their commitment to diversity in all its forms. We'll continue to watch the legal developments and report back to you. This is Nicole Hitner at Ballard Spar for your Legal Watch. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Welcome back. I'm having a wonderful conversation with Emma Isaacs this evening. Again, the founder and global CEO of Business Chicks, which is a really wonderful, warm, um, impactful business networking group. And um, it started in Australia and and it's here in the U.S. as well. Emma, we have to share a story that is is pretty well known for people who follow you, and that's the story of you, because it's so not something I would have done at eight years old, but you took a little bit of money you had, you were eight, and you got on a train by yourself to go buy a record, your first record, without telling your parents. (laughs) So, you know, I envision like, you know, this, this amazing story of this little girl doing that. Tell me what you remember about that day. I I remember it really clearly. And, And what's, what's funny is that I, 
Yeah, I, I, I never even thought to ask my parents if I was I were allowed to do that. You know, I just thought, here, I've saved some money. I, I want to buy this record. Um, and so I took myself off to, you know, I walked up to the train station. I waited for the train. I don't even know to this day how I knew where to exactly go. And I, I went two or three, you know, stops away and I walked into the record store back then and I, I bought Rick Astley. That was who I, that was a record I wanted. And turned around and, and repeated the journey home. And, and, you know, my mom was like, where, where have you been? And, 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 and to me, it was, it wasn't a big deal. You know, I mean, I, I think about my children, my, as you know, uh, Sue, I have the six, they're 11, nine, seven, five, three, and the little guy's seven months. Um, and now to me, if, if one of my kids were to do that, I would be freaking out, but you know, I mean, it was, yeah. it was a different day back then. We had a lot more freedom. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely tells you about the child that I was. And, and, uh, you know, I've always been someone who does things without asking for permission and, and just apologizes for them afterwards. And again, I've, I've, I use that, <laughs> I use that <laughs> in my career and in my business still to this day, it's a good lesson. Yeah, and and adventurous, I would say, is is a is a great word to describe you, which I think is such a um, something we really want to encourage in young girls, and mm. and hope that they would be you know uh, more brave in that way. Um, I'm yes. surprised there wasn't an adult at the station who said, "Where's your mother?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you know, too. <laughs> they're watching you go off by yourself. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you have been described as a fearless leader with never ending courage. And I wondered how you talk to your own children about courage, about being brave Mm. in a world where it really is different. You know, we were kind of running wild and free as kids throughout the neighborhood. Mm. And today we, we, you know, we can't let them do that, sadly. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I, whoever called me that is, um, very, very generous, but it's not true. I'm, I'm certainly not fearless, but I have spent my life experimenting with my relationship with fear and really trying to push the boundaries and make myself uncomfortable at every single turn. So how that manifests for me in my business life is trying to be a leader who has tough conversations, who leads people, you know, through uncertainty and into the unknown. Um, I try and be a leader that, is comfortable with silence. You know, sometimes that's what's required when you have to have an enrolling or tough conversation with your people really to get to the bottom of an issue. You've got to be comfortable with the silence. Um, And when it comes to my kids and trying to help them experiment with fear and, you know, find some courage, you know, I mean, you're right, Sue, it's a different world and we have to uh, pepper that with, you know, not trepidation, but we have to, you know, we have to keep our kids safe, of course, that goes without saying, but I'll do little things like if one of my children wants to play with a kid around the block, I'll walk them to the corner and then I'll watch them go, you know, down the block and let them find their way from there. So, you know, it, it's it's ensuring their safety as much as possible, but also giving them a little bit of independence. So, you know, I think that's going to be different for every single parent. I'm certainly one that does not hover over my children or, um, you know, I, I really try and be a bit more free range and, and let them, you know, let them fail and let them explore. Um, but yeah, it is a different world and, you know, we, we do have to keep our kids safe. So I experiment. That's, that's all I can say. I can experiment. I try and give them as much rope as possible. Um, you know, that is safe, I suppose. Right, right. And and I guess, too, it depends on where we live and, and yes. what the community is like and, and the culture right. around us. Yeah. Right. Um, I had said, you know, earlier, the, the 
the myth of work-life balance is, is really come, to, uh, we become aware that it's just life. And sometimes we're working mm. and sometimes we're living and sometimes, you know, or sometimes we're playing. Um, mm. I know you believe in living a full life where we're, we have to reevaluate what it is we want. So things are always evolving. I wanted mm. to ask you, do you, do you believe we ever reach a place of enlightenment where, you know, it's finite. Hmm. I'm not sure if that's a human experience. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure if we ever sort of arrive anywhere. (laughs) Um, I think the process is an evolution that, you know, sees us constantly learning and reevaluating what's important to us, what our priorities are. And, you know, that changes, doesn't it? I mean, the last year has shown us um, that, what we thought was the most important thing sometimes is not, and we do have to readjust our priorities, you know, and it's, it's not as if I don't think about work-life balance, you know, I'm, I'm constantly thinking, you know, am I working too much in this moment? Should I spend more time with the kids or should I spend more time in, in my business? But I think it's just that constant self-awareness and, and constant, um, you know, I call it introspection, if you like, just asking yourself, is this working or is it not working? And, you know, if you're too stressed or if you're feeling overwhelmed or if you're feeling burned out, you know, it's, it's about getting into action and taking those steps to remedy that feeling or to, to rectify it. And, and I just try and bring that awareness to my work and I try and bring it to my family. And I, I just think this whole idea of kind of work-life balance is elusive, right? It, it just leaves everyone and mainly women. It's, it's still mainly a, a female problem you know, it leaves us feeling less than when we try and have mm. the, these yes. scales kind of, you know, perfectly tipped every day. And I work half my day and I, I you know, with my family half my day, it just, it, it's, it's, it's not possible. It's not attainable. So I really just right. try and bring a kindness and, you know, relax into every day. And that can be challenging. I mean, I think as an Australian, it helps that I'm, uh, you know, we, we tend to be quite relaxed about our approach to life, but, you know, I, I, my parents brought me up to believe that kindness was a really huge value. And I try and have that as, you know, a North star in all my relationships, but I also bring that back to self-kindness of being kind to myself. So when I'm, you know, late for a meeting or when I'm trying to homeschool, you know, six kiddos, um, I come back to that center and it is, I'm doing my best here. I'm doing my best. I I do try and be kind to myself and just know that in every moment, um, that's all I can ask. So yeah, I say throw the struggle of work-life balance out and just, yeah, relax into it a bit more and be be kinder to ourselves right right great advice great advice Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to go into our last break stay with us for our watch team and I'll be back with Emma Isaacs now the women to watch military watch hi I'm Carol Egger senior vice president of military affairs at Comcast NBC Universal you know, two members of my team have spouses who work in healthcare, and they have been working on the pandemic's front lines. And I couldn't help but notice signs of relief and optimism in my teammates' voices when they shared with us that their spouses recently received the vaccine. So you can see we are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. But for the whole country to recover, we must get businesses up and running. This is especially needed for the millions of small businesses and that integral role they play in our nation's economic stability. What may surprise some of you is the representation of military veteran-owned businesses. 9% of U.S. businesses are majority-owned by veterans, according to the Small Business Administration. And that 9% represents 2.5 million businesses and over 5 million jobs. 
A recent National Bureau of Economic Research found that Black-owned businesses were hardest hit by the pandemic, followed by Hispanic and Asian-American-owned small businesses. Last October, Comcast launched Comcast Rise, an initiative to help strengthen and empower small businesses hard hit by the pandemic, especially for Black, Indigenous, and people of color-owned small businesses. The program offers grants, marketing, and technology upgrades, including media campaigns and insights. Since last October, hundreds of businesses have become Comcast Rise recipients, including several veteran-owned companies. You can learn about Comcast Rise at ComcastRise.com. So as we all aspire to move forward towards a brighter future in 2021, let's do it together. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. Um, Emma, there's another part of your story that I I don't think I can interview you without not asking about it. Last year, (laughs) (laughs) you live streamed the home birth of your your sixth child um, from your living room with tens of thousands of, of viewers tuning in to watch. Why? Why? (laughs) Why, she asks. Why, she asks. Oh, listen, I mean, I'm one of these crazy people and I feel very, very blessed that I I love being pregnant. I'm lucky to be a very healthy pregnant person and I've been blessed to have six amazing births. They happen to be at home um, uh, and they've been really, you know, transformative experiences for me. And I really wanted to live stream the birth of my fifth child. You know, I really thought that that would be an a nice way to help some women understand that birth can be a wonderful thing, you know, and that that doesn't matter. I don't mind where you choose, but I want to empower women to feel that they can have control, whether that's in business, whether that's, you know, in their career or whether it's giving birth, you know, it shows up in and manifests in a lot of different ways. But I was talked out of live streaming my fifth birth, you know, everyone around me said, why would you want to do that? And what if something goes wrong? And of course it ended up being the most magnificent experience and I regretted not sharing it. So when I fell pregnant with my latest little guy, um, you know, we're we're in the height of the pandemic. Um, we were certainly in a lockdown um, phase here in Los Angeles. We also were under curfew because it was the height of uh, the Black Lives Matter protests all around the city. Um, and so it was this really tense moment in you know the country's, I suppose, history or you know um, mood, if you like. And I just wanted to be able to bring a little bit of joy and a little bit of calm, and you know, hopefully 
you know, unite women and have a sense of community. And of course, I, I didn't know what was happening on Instagram. We just went live on, on Instagram. And as you said, Sue, I think um, over 60,000 people all up tuned in to watch his safe arrival. And it was very, very PG. It wasn't too close. <laughs> <laughs> so any of you out there cringing, it was um, it was actually really beautiful. But of course, I didn't know what was going on. I was very, very focused on, um, you know, birthing the little guy. Um, but afterwards, I, I, I watched back the... Some of the recording and just to see the beautiful comments and and the community that was born out of that moment and people saying you know not only encouraging me but saying oh this is bringing back all memories for me and oh I'm pregnant with my first baby and I'm this is really empowering for me to think that I could have a calm experience as well so really if I'm put on this planet to do anything it's to show women what's possible and like I said whether that manifests in building a business writing a book having a family you know I I I'm here to say that you can you can have it all and you know you really it really comes back to working on your mindset and surrounding yourself with positive people and ultimately believing that you you can achieve what you want to achieve so yeah thank, thanks for drawing on that experience a lot of people don't want to talk about that but it, it was a special <laughs> moment for sure <laughs> well you know what as you're describing that Emma and talking about that that day I'm thinking to myself my god we probably should talk about that every day it's one of the most remarkable thing that women do mm, right right it's look. I, I can only speak from my lived experience, from from my personal experience. Giving birth um, has given me such a huge amount of strength to be able to use in other areas of my life, and I would love to see all women explore that, you know, relationship and that opportunity. Because I think what happens in every area of our lives, we come to tell ourselves stories about things, and we come to take advice from people who perhaps we don't need to take advice from. We we come to absorb only negative information. But if you can change that and shift that thinking to say, I'm only going to hang around positive people who uplift me and help me see a, a new or clearer path forward. If I can yeah, try and get my thoughts in order and, and trust myself and trust my instincts and this whole new world does open up. So yeah, for me, that was what it was about, you know, being optimistic and obviously being very, very safe. I had two midwives with me and, you know, we were checked into the local hospital if we needed to um, transport there, but um, no, it was a beautiful experience. And I believe, yeah, I, I, I believe birth is safe and I believe women are strong. We are, we have such resilience and such, mm. such strength. Right. Right. Both mentally and physically, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to share a quote. Um, you said, I'm not a great manager of people and problems. I prefer to spend my time dreaming up the next big idea and getting everyone on board to make it happen. What's your, if you have one, your current big idea that you're working on, if anything? Oh, yeah. Good question. Really, really good question. And listen, the, the difference there, and I, I love that question you asked, the difference between a manager and a leader is, you know, a manager tells people what to do and a leader shows people what to do. So I've always tried to think of myself as a leader and a role model and, you know, let my behavior and my thoughts and my actions speak speak for myself. But, you know, I'm really interested, Sue. I think that the this pandemic has thrown up so many different opportunities to explore the future of work and how we're all going to 
approach our work. So I've got another book coming out um, this year, later this year, which I'm really, really excited oh, good, for. And good. yeah, yeah, I hope you'll support it and, and buy it. I'll, I'll send course. you a copy. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm really, I'm really excited about the future of work. Um, I'm really excited. My CEO in my business right now is on um, parental leave. So I've sort of stepped back into the business to run it, um, you know, operationally, which is, which is wonderful. And I'm supported by a phenomenal leadership team. So I'm excited for that challenge over the next six or so months. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think probably no more kids. Six is enough, <laughs> but it's really just, it's really just about how can we continue to innovate and experiment. And I want to be able to lead my team through this time, which is still a time of immense uh, uncertainty and, you know, fear for a lot of people. So I want to be that that person that, that walks next to them and says, you know, we can do this. We just need to be open with our communication and honest with each other and, and vulnerable and, you know, try new things and ultimately experiment. So, yeah, that's what's next. That sounds awesome. Um, if you're just tuning in, I'm speaking to Emma Isaacs, the founder and global CEO of Business Chicks. Um, something I wanted to ask you, you know, we certainly have seen a significant amount of change um, in this past year, and it happened so suddenly. I mean, it was Didn't just it? right overnight. Mm. Um, but one of the good things that we're seeing is um, a lot of firsts for women. And we had a mm. record number um, being elected into our government here yes. in the U.S. this year. Really exciting. What do you think the impact of more women in government is going to be? I think the time right now is for compassionate and kind leadership. I think women have proven time and time again that we are inclusive leaders, that we are great listeners, that we can read a room. And I think all those qualities can only stand, not only this country, but, but you know, across across the world. It can only help, um, you know, propel you know, everything forward from issues such as climate change to gender equality to healthcare. I think it's just an amazing time for women to be seen and to be elected and, you know, to have their voices heard. So I'm, I'm really, really encouraged by this. I'm, I'm really encouraged by it. And I think we, you know, live in an exciting time. I think we've come a long way. We have a long way to go. But yeah, I ultimately feel very, very confident and excited for the future of women, for sure. Yeah, I do as well. Um, I mm. wanted to, to mention as well, you're a committed philanthropist. You've raised more than $13 million for various charities. Is there right. one that's nearest and dearest to your heart? And if so, why? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We have been really um, honoured to do that work. Um, and one of the charities that I love, and it's out of New York, it started in New York, it's called The Hunger Project. And The Hunger Project works with communities and mainly women um, to teach them leadership skills. So it's how do we you know, bring, how do we teach women to help their families and communities um, get out of intergenerational poverty? So instead of going into a village and saying, here, have a, have a dollar or have, you know, a pound of rice, we say, let's find the women who want to lead and who want to lead their communities. And that might be helping them get into a little business. But ultimately, it's not about, so, you know, us handing over anything to change something. It's about these women working on their mindsets and, you know, encouraging, encouraging them to study leadership and what it 
means to be a leader and how they do have a voice and how they can speak up and how they can take action. So The Hunger Project, look them up. They're a phenomenal organization doing incredible work. And we're really lucky we take groups of our members on leadership and immersion programs in places like um, in, in countries in Africa and Bangladesh and India. And it's just an extraordinary leadership experience. And you know what? People often think that we're going to these places to teach leadership, but it couldn't be any further from the truth. You know, we always learn so much from these women and their courage and, and leadership. Mm. It's, um, it's phenomenal. It's a beautiful organization. I bet. I so much enjoy meeting women from other countries and cultures and just, you know, seeing uh, there's always something to learn, right? Because they're, they're living yes. differently and they have different um, challenges that they're coming up yes. with solutions for. Yes. And listen, yeah. we have nothing. When you put our stories against these women, you know, some of these women have to work out how to feed their families. You know, they might have three or four children and they have like a banana to share amongst the I family know. in a day, right? So we really yeah. have nothing. So when you're really faced, um, you know, with those sort of challenges, there is so many lessons from a leadership perspective to, to, to draw upon. It's amazing. Yeah, so true. Listen, um, we're at the end of the show. Emma, I thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, busy day to share a little bit of your story with us. Uh, and I hope you stay in touch. Thank you so much for having me, Sue. That was a real joy. I appreciate it. Stay with us for our second hour where I'll be joined by Summer Watson, um, actually also from L.A. Summer is a British classical crossover artist. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Welcome back, everyone, to another evening of Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and we're going into the second hour of the show this evening. I'm so, so uh, fortunate and honored to have two amazing guests. And if you were with us in the first hour, you heard from Emma Isaacs. And the next hour of the show is going to be with Summer Watson. Summer is a British classical crossover artist, uh, originally from England and based now and joining us from LA. So I'm thrilled to have her. Summer, thanks so much for being with us. Oh my goodness, Sue. Thank you ever so much for having me. Truly, it is such an honor to be part of your show today. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to to talk about a lot of different parts of your um, life story and your career. And I wanted to start off with a quote. Um, you have said that my drive and my strength on a daily basis come from my amazing mom, who has supported me my entire life. So I wanted to I wanted to start off um, talking a little bit about your upbringing in England as an only child and what your relationship with your mom was like. 
Well, I was very fortunate. Um, I sit here, you know, in the second half of my life and just really filled with joy and such a warm heart that my mom and dad really couldn't have done more. And this is not just for, you know, a radio show and to chat with you. Like I say it to my friends and my family and every day I count my blessings that my mom and dad um, worked extremely hard up until they were sort of 14, 15. They left home and they started working. Um, mom worked numerous jobs, um, left the family and was, you know, giving money back to the family, anything she earned. And my father started very young working in the government, working his way up. And when they met, um, they, they had me in their 30s. And they wanted to create a true foundation for a new human being, by of which opening the doors to allow me to be able to have access to music, to languages, to sports, to cultures. And so my childhood was so full. Although I was an only child and I didn't know anything, you know, other than that, um, my life in terms of balance from schoolwork to music, languages, food, um, all different types of sports um, and sharing really wonderful times with my parents. You know, every Christmas and Easter, um, it was very, very special. Um, they gave me an inordinate amount of support. Um, they coached me to be able to be Ever, you know, an independent young lady, so I was never glued to them, but they for sure were at every single concert I did, every performance, every little festival from the age of four all the way through to sort of, you know, late 20s. Um, and I know that they couldn't be more proud of me. And I'm really, I'm so thankful to both of them for the drive and the structure of how to really understand the balance of life. You know, Summer, I know that you knew from a very early age that music was your gift and going to be, you know, your life's calling, as you said, from the age of four. I wanted to know, though, did you always have a sense that you were meant for stardom, I'll say, which, you know, being well known and, and famous and successful? Well, it's a very good question. You know, like, what is stardom? What what does it mean to become famous? I wasn't um, focused on the popularity, um, but I do know that when I was young and, you know, I was learning different instruments from all the different, you know, types of recorders and flute and singing, and, and I just loved it. I sort of, you know, I was transported into another time. And when I was at home, you know, of an afternoon, I would watch uh, a Barbara Streisand special or a Carpenter special. I didn't really grow up with music in the house, per se. I remember um, dancing in the kitchen to sort of Chuck Berry and really classic 1950s bands with mum. And my dad would sing lullabies. And I loved music and uh, trained very hard for it. And as I grew through my teens into my 20s, I began to realize that music really was my calling. Um, and more and more throughout my life, you know, the, the ideal of becoming famous or well-known um, or the, the, you know, the term celebrity, it, it, never, it, it never suited me because the, the true roots of the word celebrity comes from celebration in French, uh, Latin. And that means to celebrate 
talent. And so my entire journey was what music and what art and paintings and 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 who can inspire me would really touch my heart and soul and throughout the journey from childhood all the way you know to my adulthood uh, and my career it's been that essence that has been the driving force so you graduated from london's prestigious royal college of music and I wanted to ask you if being surrounded by so many students um, that are gifted and talented, was that inspirational for you or was it intimidating? It's an amazing question. Um, not many have asked it. And it's the type of question that I love to share with my best friends because, and, and it's such a joy to be able to share with you today, Sue, you know, the idea that, you know, a child is gifted, but it's not overly protected. I wasn't sort of a stage kid. Mom and dad kept the balance very simple, um, was always coached to, to work hard and to really enjoy music and the arts. And I was the first person in my family to take a degree. And so to understand the culture that my father comes from Yorkshire, my mother was working from the age of 14, to suddenly being, you know, skipping some classes, as in, you know, going from working class to upper class, essentially, you know, with all the, you know, beautiful things that life was uh, showing me and that my parents were opening the doors for me. I walk into the most epic building in the middle of South Kensington with which is the Royal College of Music and it's been there for hundreds of years and it's the building itself opposite the Royal Albert Hall which as your listeners probably know is one of the most well-known concert venues in Europe um, was exceptionally intimidating and you walk in and you're you know there as sort of late teens 20s trying to sort of think right I'm going to give my best go at it and then you hear wafting sounds of the most incredible musicians. And you go back into the zone of actually it being very inspiring. And with all the greats on the wall, like the famous sopranos, the famous piano players that have been there for hundreds of years. So it was a little bit of both. Hmm. That's that's beautiful. And, and you know, I, I pictured it to be that way. So, um, listen, we're going to go into our first break. Uh, stay with us for our watch team and we'll be back with Summer Watson. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manzo from Pathways Consulting Group. Even before COVID, excessive screen time and technology utilization had already increased dramatically for children. Now add digital learning into the mix. No one can say for sure how digital learning is affecting their education. The school systems are doing their best to organize digital learning, and for sure, it's been invaluable. But with this new way of learning come pros and cons. Let's talk about some of the pros. Technology is a necessary skill used in many professions, so the use of new technologies potentially can prepare students for their future. Technology learning platforms are being kept up to date, and having access to these platforms instantly through technology allow teachers to have access to current lessons and information. Through technology, students don't have to miss field trips. Field trips can come to them, whether in the home or in the classroom, and this allows students to go anywhere in the world or even into space. 
education through technology allows students to continue to learn. Now for some cons. This particular con is the one that concerns me most, lack of social interaction face-to-face. No one really knows what the long-term overall effect all of this will have on our children. Social interaction is a big part of growing up. Next, having access to technology is not always plug and play. It requires teachers to learn new platforms, be able to troubleshoot, input data, and then train students. In many cases, schools are not equipped to provide the support teachers need, leaving teachers frustrated and on their own. If you're working from home and your children are logged into the virtual classroom, chances are you're all fighting for bandwidth on the internet. Whether you're a teacher or a parent, you're experiencing the pros and cons every day, and it's not easy. Creating more collaboration between teachers and parents will be imperative, and teaching children how to be good digital citizens will become a part of the curriculum. Tune in next week when I'll be discussing what it means to be a digital citizen. If you have information on this topic you'd like to share, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPA. Thanks so much for being with me this evening. I'm joined by Summer Watson. Summer is a British classical crossover artist from England. She now resides in L.A. And Summer, I wanted to talk about you became the the first ever artist to sign a million dollar contract with Sony Classical. How did you make that happen? Well, very briefly, mom and dad gave everything possible as a child. Their main um, goal was for me to understand the drive in life, to keep going and keep forging ahead. And having graduated from the Royal College of Music, you know, there's one thing being an amazing artist and singing to the best of your ability. That's kind of a given. But once that had been completed, the masters of, you know, seven, eight years of training, um, Dad comes from Yorkshire, which is, you know, very much a working men's environment. You know, his father worked in the in the coal mines. And essentially, the one tagline was, well, Sums, it's great. You've got your degree and your master's. Now you've got to get a job. And so, you know, I... <laughs> Typical dad. Yeah, I didn't have the luxury to be wafting around Germany and France, spending thousands of pounds to audition at various opera houses for the auditions, the flights, the hotels, etc. So I thought, right, I love a ton of classical music. I love a ton of pop music. And I listened to it all. And it's never been done before. I'm going to create a showcase, which for your listeners, that's just essentially a concert. I invited some celebrities and royals. Um, It was a huge success in London. And the idea was, why can I not put Sting next to Strauss? And it had never been done before. And the labels were going crazy because they thought I was nuts. And it was a huge success. I ended up getting signed to Sony for a million pound deal. First ever time an artist had been signed from classical into a pop label. 
Um, the album ended up being number one. We recorded at the Abbey Road Studios. Uh, Dave Gilmore um, on his mixing boat, you know, in, in London. It was an epic time. And to have that foresight to take the best classical tunes and the best pop music that I loved, why not put it all on one shelf? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, I want to talk about um, a, a very um, pivotal time, I'll say, in your in your life, impactful experience that you had in 2002. Um, you were seriously injured in a well-known train crash in England. Can you describe for the listeners what that immediate aftermath was for you? So the immediate aftermath, to answer your question, Sue, in, in sort of, you know, extreme brevity was my life collapsed, literally instantaneously, because my whole life to that point had been, you know, get up, go to school, train, get to college, have some lovely holidays in between. And that was sort of, sort of essentially 20 years. And going away for the weekend and 10 minutes into a journey on a train, I'm at 108 miles an hour smashing my head on the train and watching the fourth carriage fly in the air like a Die Hard movie. Um, I suffered from extreme PTSD, um, couldn't go on a plane train, you know, over a speed bump for probably three years and suffered extreme anxiety from it. Now, that said, um, I was in the middle of recording at the Royal with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, and that is why I decided to record the Sting song Fragile, because life is no joke. It's extremely fragile, and we have to look after our lives and our lives of the, the ones we love around us with extreme fragility like a butterfly. And you, you really know that um, firsthand, not just from that um, event in your life, but also being diagnosed with stage four cancer in 2014. And boy, you know, to have two events in one life that suddenly instantaneously change your trajectory. Um, what has that taught you? I mean, that's a big question, but yeah, I mean, it, it's taught me everything I know today. I mean, we have to make a choice. Either we go through life and hold on to all these, as I call it, suitcases of events. And you'll eventually get to the point where you're at the, at the airport and go, do I really need 50 suitcases to do a one week holiday? And the answer is no. Um, we go through these events and we have to work on ourselves to be able to turn the tragic events, the traumas, whether it's divorce, loss of job, loss of home, an accident, cancer, God forbid, work through it and get it out of our system to be able to become the from caterpillar into butterfly, to change your life from one end to the other, metamorphosis, to really become the person that you're meant to be. And that takes some warriorship skills, looking at the Vikings, the Celts, you know, some oomph about life that you have to really want it. No matter what, I lost my job, my dog died, I got cancer, I, you know, whatever it is, I'm losing my home to fight for the most amazing life. And that's what those events taught me, is that trauma and tragedy can actually Yes, they're bookmarks, but they can be turned into my absolute blessings. And I believe that for everybody. 
Wow. You know, when you said you have to want it, it's something I really want to talk about um, in the next segment, because, you know, you've shared that writing and recording every day is is a healing process for you. But a lot of people um, I, I know feel that they don't have that. Well, certainly a lot of people don't have that ability, that artistic ability. And I want to talk about what can they do to release pain, because that's a very spiritual um, wonderful thing that you are able to do um, through your music. So we're going to go into our next break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Stay with us as I speak with Summer Watson, and stay tuned for our watch team. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Marketing Watch. When the world locked down in March, millions of fitness gurus and regular gym goers were forced to adjust their workout routines to an at-home workout experience. From group fitness classes with peers to lifting weights at the local gym before the daily commute, exercise is often a bright spot in many people's daily routine. Hi, I'm Lynn Falconio, Chief Marketing Officer of Publicis Health, for women to watch Marketing Watch, and like many of you, I've had to shift my fitness routine because of COVID-19. While at-home fitness wasn't a new concept, it quickly shifted from being one option for a good sweat session to the only option. In March, we saw a ripple effect of fitness giants pivoting to online workouts. Many use social media for live streaming. Others offered workouts on apps for users to get fit in their own time. With very few reasons to be outside of our homes, many have also made walking or biking outdoors a priority. In my daily routine, I always take a socially distanced stroll through Central Park to get my fill of exercise. Now, with exercise going to the streets and people working out in their living rooms, traditional gyms face challenges in incentivizing the eventual return to gym. Assuming the safety and cleanliness of communal weight rooms, fitness studios, and shared spaces has been quite the hurdle. Even so, some gyms have reopened, but only at 25 to 50% capacity. As we imagine a post-pandemic future, some people will inevitably rush back to the local gym. But for others, the at-home workout has become a preference. Like many other habitual changes we've seen due to the global pandemic, it's safe to say the virtual fitness experience will be here to stay. Until next time, I'm Lynn Falconio for Women to Watch Marketing Watch. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Summer, just before our break, um, we were talking about the fact that you were diagnosed with, with stage four uh, breast cancer in 2014, and that is a jarring message to receive. And um, I know that you find incredible healing through your writing and your recording of your music. For those who don't have that ability, what can they do to release pain? Well, I'm st- do you think? I th- I'm thrilled that you asked that question because, to be honest, you know, aside from the singing, I truly believe that that's my mission and why I'm here and why we're having this conversation. 
Um, it's all, you know, wonderful for people to learn about, you know, my music and my life and, and so forth. But my biggest want is for people to be able to live their absolute best life. And a few things that worked for me is to realize that when we go through things, it stores in our body. Because for your listeners to know, I was in perfect health. You know, I was an extremely slim young lady, loved food, loved exercise. How is it possible with no genetic lineage that I end up with a month to live and being diagnosed stage four breast cancer? And for your listeners, I strongly encourage them to use this time when it may be not as busy and the world is not looking like what they used to know it to look like and to get interested in philosophers, poetry, um, spiritual books, uh, meditation, mindful meditation. There's a wonderful practice called the art of living that isn't just sitting in the Himalayas, you know, meditating. It uses the breath to where you're literally getting um, a completely different feeling through breath work. It's not just sat still. The body is a very sensitive makeup of you know organs and cells and how it functions and we have to some might need to calm themselves and cool themselves through what are they eating to how they're breathing and deep breathing with their diaphragm others might need more prana you know more breath work going all the way through to clear the rubbish in their system because otherwise daily it's like putting makeup on a dirty face um, or and and it just yes you know we can get away with it we can buy with it but that's what i call like living a gray life and i really believe no matter what no matter the challenge that is being presented having to work a 19 hour day or you know send 200 emails or the child isn't well or you've lost your job is so important that we are happy even through those challenges. So we have to create a schedule whereby we're working very hard, but there is me time in that schedule. And I don't just mean, oh, I'm going to do a bit of meditation just to cross it off my list, or let me go and do some Instagram yoga. You, you have to find what speaks to you. Is it coloring in paintings? Is it, you know, taking photographs? Is it just a gentle stroll around the neighborhood? Is it writing a thank you letter? Is it writing a gratitude? list? Um, is it cooking? You know, and when you start to add all of these things into your daily living, the world is a little bit more balanced and you can begin to realize that no matter what is coming up in the daily flow of life, there is no such thing as good or bad. It's an even keel so that your soul is just filled with true joy and true happiness. And I'm not talking about the yellow, bright colored pictures on Instagram of, you know, the kind of what we all aspire to. I'm talking about just where you can go to bed at night and go, that was a solid day. Mm, I love that. I love that. You know, you and I had a really beautiful conversation when we first met. And I think what you're describing is a type of life most people want to live and they and they dream about that you had kind of an awakening and and you speak about breaking free um t tell the listeners what what were you breaking free from how were you living prior 
to kind of this awakening of understanding what it takes to really truly live happy? Well, first of all, the major part of what I was breaking free from was that I believed I was in control of everything. So if I wanted my bedroom when I was 10 years old to look immaculate, I cleaned it to so that it looked like a showroom. If I wanted to become the best soprano in Europe, I practiced 10 hours a day for 10 years. I wanted to create this amazing entity of taking wonderful music and, and getting signed. I made it happen. But actually, the more that I've been through and understanding Yes, you have to put the time in. Yes, you have to show up. Yes, you have to be kind and positive and bright from a true solid foundation. You know, you, doing chakra work and, and, and clearing the entities. But if you're just living your life like that, and there were moments, you know, I traveled all the, over the world too, or, you know, I spent time with the Maasai, I went to Sri Lanka, you know, I sang at the most extraordinary concerts, and for sure, there were some absolute high points. But what is crucial is to understand that we actually can't control any of it. So once we can have that non-attachment and that trust in the pathway that that we are here to do something in life, it doesn't matter who you are and what your journey is. It's when we can break free of that to really be the best person that we can possibly be. I, I love the, you know, that how you describe that is so very... Um practical and doable because I think, you know, in, in the world today, there's plenty of places to go for self-help and, um, resources and, and places to get inspiration. But I think it's that knowing, uh, it's, it's a knowing that settles kind of in your bones of the truth behind the fact that we really don't have control so that when those tragedies happen, we are be much better suited to deal with them. Um, we're going to go into another break. When we come back, I want to talk about um, how you think the pandemic and, and COVID has kind of awakened people on a, on a global scale. Stay with us for our watch team, and we'll be back with Summer Watson. The Women to Watch, Nonprofit Watch. Good evening, Women to Watch listeners. I'm Dr. Nakia Owens, Managing Director of Financial Empowerment at United Way of Greater Philadelphia in Southern New Jersey. As many of you listeners know, January is National Poverty Awareness Month, where we seek to raise the awareness to the challenges of poverty like hunger and malnutrition, limited access to education and health care social injustices and exclusion and disabilities. These are just a few of the many manifestations of poverty. Today, more than 40 million Americans live in poverty, but poverty can be eradicated. Yes, it is a steep hill to climb, but as Nelson Mandela said, like slavery and apartheid, poverty is not natural. It is man-made and it can be overcome and eradicated by the actions of human beings. United Way's mission is just that, to eliminate poverty throughout its region 
by providing access to resources and opportunities and building on the financial strengths of individuals and families throughout the region. I'd like to encourage you to visit our website to learn more about some of the investments, programs, initiatives that we are leading to address poverty throughout our region. And as we bring this month to a close, I'd like to encourage you to take advantage of some of the poverty-finding programs that we have in place, like our free tax preparation, our financial counseling and coaching, access to benefits, and there you have it. And until next time, I'm Dr. Owens, your nonprofit watch. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm speaking with Summer Watson this evening, and Summer is an award-winning, um, amazing classical crossover artist. Um, and, you know, we're all living, no matter what we're doing, in um a very strange and unsettling time, but I do think that there's been some positive outcomes because of the pandemic. Um, how do you think that it's woke, I don't want to say woke people, awakened people to um, kind of have better priorities? I think it's a very interesting time. I don't see it as good or bad. If we just take the structure of the fact that we used to be able to go out when we wanted, freely hug, see people, pop to a restaurant, a concert if we wanted to. And now that reality is not so. But on the positive side, what this new chapter, this new era has created for us is like a renaissance whereby it has bought time for every individual that is out there. And I don't want to put down the, the struggles. I understand that there are there is a massive issue with, you know, loss of employment. There's been a lot of stress for families um, and, and keeping homes and so forth. But if you look at where we stand from a technological standpoint, whereby we are at home, we can go online and listen to shows like yours to be inspired. We can go onto YouTube and just type in mindful meditation and do five minutes, 10 minutes. I'm not talking sitting on the Himalayas and do an hour um, or, or seven hours of you know yoga, just five minutes. We can go on and do a, a cooking show and, and cook something. I think it's been a wonderful time where families, because, you know, if they're living together, um, they're able to have dinner together with no tech around, no distractions where the teenagers have to run out to a party and the parents are too tired and from, you know, work, etc. But they're, they're reuniting and people are learning musical instruments. There's never been more of a demand for, for, for vocal coaching and piano sessions and learning languages and, you know, all these wonderful things like the app called Masterclass, where people can learn and to open up their spiritual world of what might work for them to be able to make small adjustments in their life. And therefore, the priority then becomes, who do I want to be as an individual? How do I want to live my life? Actually rushing through a seven-day work week and cramming in a brunch on a Sunday because I have to maybe now not suited to that person. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
you know, rushing to do the laundry on a Thursday or whatever it is, maybe it's more important now to that individual to spend some time with their children. And so I believe that this new chapter that, that, we're, that we're living in is a benefit and that being an artist, a musician, a writer, a speaker um, has never had more importance, I think, in history uh, where, you know, we were, we were living a certain way for many, many years. You know, we've all, you know, experienced the amazing concerts and music and, and art galleries and restaurants and all the rest of it. But now the artists that are emerging and the message that they have to say through the lyrics that they choose to write by taking some time, some downtime, has never been more important to be able to inspire the next generation you know, the next rock artists and the bands out there, they don't need to be doing drugs and alcohol to, you know, really make amazing music. The next phenomenal classical musicians, um, you know, even if you're just a listener, you know, and, and you can absolutely dive into Spotify and iTunes and you may not know anything about classical music, opera, uh, you know, indie music, whatever it is, but just write it in, type it in and expose yourself to it. Um, mm. to be free. That's what I believe we're going through is a moment for us to learn how to be free. And, and I would say also to, to understand that doing what feels right to you and what you want to absolutely. do, not in a selfish way, yeah. right? Rather than the shoulds. Absolutely. Every, you know, definitely. Yeah, that's no, what it's. no shoulds, no woulda, coulda, no shoulda. Shoulds. It's literally the present moment, this pandemic where we do not have any excuses now with, um, I've got no time. I, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do the other. So therefore it creates time. It creates an opening and so it allows us to live in the present moment. How do I want to interact with Sue? How do I want to interact with my kids? The, the, the level of you know, pressure is obviously a little different because you know, the, we're, we're not working in the same way that we were. But what feels, take a moment to sit quietly, just sit in an armchair for five minutes. You don't have to, you know, look like a guru or the Dalai Lama. Just sit in an armchair for five <laughs> minutes and take a moment and breathe in and hold the breath for four seconds and breathe out and you'll for a few minutes and you'll begin to think, you know what? Hmm, I really fancy taking a sewing course or I'm going to maybe go for a walk with my daughter, you know, and the mind will begin to shift. Oh, I love that. You know, it right. It's I, I think people are discovering that they've been living for years and years and years without breathing. Just bouncing from one thing to the yeah. next. More more than ever. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean the yeah. breath allows us to stay in the present moment. If we're worried about the past, panicking about the future, holding it all, it's impossible to live in the present moment. And so breathing in deep, breathing out deep, there's an amazing guy called Wim Hof. Um, quite a character, has wonderful breathing technique courses, and that allows you to be in the present moment, any shape, any size, any age, and you just feel high on life. And that's how you we, 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 we can enjoy every single day, just through the breath. Mm -hmm. 
Right. What a beautiful way to end the show, Summer. I thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. And we'll have to bring you on another time. Suze, thank you ever so much for having me. And I wish a really beautiful year for everybody. You say it's okay to world for Next is our Coach's Corner podcast, which is a shorter version of our weekly show and can be heard wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm BJ Gray with this week's Coach's Corner. Last year, I worked with a group of women lawyers about how to tap into their inner power so they could have more success building business at their law firm. Before you can truly tap into your inner power, you have to learn how to drop your inner critic, which is a habit many successful women have. Dropping something that is so ingrained can be hard, but when you're not reaching your goals, you really have to look at what is holding you back. And I gave these lawyers five questions to ask themselves about their beliefs, and I want to share them with you to help you create the change you seek. The first question is, is it working? Is your belief working for you? Often beliefs are about connection. And in this case, the women lawyers didn't feel they could compete because deals are done on the golf course and men had that advantage but that is just a belief that is holding them back. So then you got to ask yourself, is it helpful? If your beliefs are getting in the way of your work, then you need to decide if the belief is serving you. Beliefs are not permanent. And that brings me to the third question. Is the belief true? True in the sense that it's verifiable, testable, and predictive. Many times we are taught what to believe or somebody else decides what we should believe. And you never go back to challenge that belief and give yourself permission to change it, but you can. So do you need this belief to be true? Sometimes we do need the belief to be true so we can make it through the world. It acts as a placebo. The problem is though, when the belief prevents you from accomplishing your goals. And that brings me to the fifth question. What would change your mind? If you decide that your belief is actually true, then you owe it to yourself to be clear about what would have to happen for you to realize it's not true and be able to change it. All of this doesn't happen in your mind right away. The best way is to reflect on your beliefs and use these five questions as a guide to uncover your inner critic. Thanks for listening to this edition of Coach's Corner. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn or at bjgray.com. Until next time, I'm BJ from Coach's Corner. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you so much to Summer for letting us use some of her music as we went in and out of our breaks. Stay tuned next week for my interview with Dr. Nicole Sapphire, radiologist at Sloan Kettering and medical contributor for Fox News, Business, and MSNBC. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.